Walk in the Breaking Doctrine, presented to you by the Combined Arms Doctrine Directorate at the Combined Arms Center at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. The views expressed here are those of the individual and do not represent the views of the Combined Arms Center, U.S. Army, or U.S. Government. Welcome to Breaking Doctrine, a U.S. Army Combined Arms Center podcast on doctrine and the Army's vision of warfare. Hello, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Nikki Dean, and today we're actually joined by a local celebrity in the Combined Arms Center. I'm talking today with the mother of tanks, Sasha Maggio, about her experience digging through older doctrine for her popular Twitter series, Building an American Army. Sasha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So for a little background, uh, which is necessary for our audience, if you're not familiar with Mother of Tanks on Twitter, she has been running the Building an American Army Twitter series in collaboration with the Combined Arms Center. And it's a series that has primarily focused on the evolution of doctrine, Army organizational structure, and modernization efforts that help shape the Army that we have today. And her series combines historical doctrine, lessons learned, and an impressive selection of gifts, which is awesome. Um, And I'm also going to start off this whole thing by saying that if you're a listener for us that doesn't know what Twitter or a GIF is, I'm I'm not actually sure where to go with that. And uh, that's a passage point that we will we will address when we get to it. So I have to start off and ask, uh, where on earth did the idea for building an American army? How did that series begin? And, And how did it morph into most of all a Twitter series? Um, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, so not haha funny because it's, you know, pandemic related, but the, um, so last year in February, I was reading a book called, uh, the tank killers and the author mentions the 1941 GHQ maneuvers in the very first chapter. And I didn't know much about it. So I started to research just that one topic and I thought I would do a thread on it on my, on my own account. And, um, but you know, there's an awful lot of information there. And I started, uh, and then I changed jobs in, in the new job, I was working from home most of the time at first because of the, uh, the pandemic policies. And so I had all this extra time and I needed to fill it. So the research became, uh, it might be one thread on the maneuvers. And then it was like, I could do a whole week of threads on these maneuvers. And then it was, um, you know, a little bit more recent. suddenly I started to what I have now is a series started to take shape and I started to see opportunities to include other parts of the army from well basically all parts of the army and uh and so I kept researching and reached out to accounts different accounts and different friends and I thought um you know if we can make this into a whole series it could be something that uh you know would be sharing a very important part of the army's history but also you know, it would give us an opportunity to take all these social media accounts and kind of bring them together. So I, um, that was basically what happened. It was, you know, I I like to joke that it was a classic example of Sasha had a good idea, but not enough adult supervision to contain it. And so it just, you know, the more I researched, it just took off. How did the Combined Arms Center end up glomming onto this and, and make it part of their weekly posting? And get it out from a more traditional individual platform out to a wider audience? Well, I had started, um, I talked to some friends at the 18th Airborne Corps, and we were initially going to run it off of their account. 
and they wanted um, they wanted me to do a thread every day for 21 days. And I was like, okay, so that was that started to help take shape. But by the time we got to a point where they actually had time for the series, their account had already grown so big that they couldn't give me any kind of dedicated time. And the series had grown so big that it, I really needed a more army focused account. And so uh, since I was at MCTP, uh, I went and General Rainey had just recently at that point followed me on Twitter. And so I just reached out and I asked him if, you know, this is my idea, this is what I've done, and I'd really like to run it off the CAC account if I can. And um, he put me in touch with his public affairs team and I met with them in January last year. And by the end of February, we had the series running. That's awesome. And it's proof that advocation from senior leaders about professional development through social media really does make a difference. And I'm thrilled that you actually got a chance to to work with the Combined Arms Center for it. So I want to get into the nuts and bolts of building your threads, which is talking about how you come up with the ideas for each week's theme. Um, it seems like Kat gave you a lot of autonomy to pick your topic and also how you're going to organize your research. Can you talk us a little bit through that? So the, the branch threads are only one part of the series. Um, I had seen uh, when I was sh shaping it, I, I realized that there was an opportunity to bring in um, other branches. Like, you know, it's easy to talk about the combat arms, right? You know, it's easy to talk about uh, infantry and armor and um, the other ones, artillery. And <laughs> you know, it's easy to get people to want to, to hear those stories. But I wanted to talk about um, branches that don't normally get all the attention i wanted to give them attention first so that's why we pushed the combat arms to the end but the um uh that was just bringing in the branches was just an opportunity to bring more of the army into this uh it but that was something that i had realized i could do maybe a couple of months before the whole series started so i had the um but i had kind of like a roadmap for it i had already planned it out and uh and I would say probably about 70% 70, 70 of the threads were researched before we began in February. And then um, about 50% of the threads were written. So I had, you know, a lot of prep work was already done. And um, I just, initially the Combined Arms Center folks, they just, they wanted to see the threads in advance. And, um, but now they kind of, you know, they're familiar with my style, they're comfortable with it. So they just let me uh, run them myself. And, uh, and I like that. Um, I, I try really hard to make sure that anything I put on there, because it is an official account, is something that I have double and triple checked. There's only been one typo so far. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as far as the topics go, like I had planned it out before the series, you know, while I was shaping the series, I was like, I want to talk about the 1941 GHQ maneuvers. Uh, which are, I, I believe, still the largest uh, exercise that we've ever done as, you know, as a whole army. And um, I want to talk about the mobilization period and how all of this was done before we were ever at, actually at war. And so this was the first time where this kind of prep was done in peacetime. And I thought that, that that's really interesting. And uh, also the fact that we didn't really have a military industrial complex at the time. And so these are all things that, unless you actually like 
make a concerted effort to study this. You're not going to get this in history classes. And it's, uh, but it, and it can be kind of dull at times. So I wanted to kind of make it interesting and, and show people a different part of the history that we don't really know about. Um, all the prep work that went into this, uh, you know, building an army before we actually, you know, got into the war. So that was kind of how I shaped it. That was Pixel. <laughs> so as a doctrine writer, what I'm, I've been most impressed with is your references back to historical doctrine, especially tactics and techniques, um, which means that you had to dig into, I know, some obsolete and some archive manuals. Um, where did you go for your, your archived doctrine? So I started with the internet. If I could find it on the internet, then I knew it was, you know, that was, that was going to be the easiest way to access it. Um, I did look at, from the, from the point that I started with the, the Tank Killers book, um, the first book that I went to right after that was by uh, Christopher Gable, and it was published, I believe, by the Center for Military History in Army University Press or one or the other, uh, and that was actually on the 1941 GHQ maneuvers. And so that gave me, you know, kind of a, a really targeted history, but it also gave me more to look up. So from there, I found the um, the umpire manual that they used in 1940, 1941 to train the, um, like, well, the umpires, the people that would, uh, I, I kind of, I liken them to kind of a mix between um, OCTs and human miles gear because they would, they would have these math equations that they would calculate the points, how many would get hurt, what kind of injuries, who would be, who would be like revived with their, you know, before there was a God gun, who would be revived. And, um, you know, it just, that whole concept was really interesting because I didn't, I had just a basic idea of how it works in the CTCs, but not really um, what happened before that. And so that this gave, you know, kind of a whole new appreciation for all of that kind of training. And then, um, but what else is there? There's, um, so the Center for Military History has a ton of excellent publications. Uh, the Army University Press has all of them in PDF form. So that gave me a, an easy way to find a lot of these things. But for the older doctrines, sometimes I would have to look um, for archive sites or eBay, you know, and just anybody that had it. And, um, and I might, sometimes I couldn't find them, but I could find like a, somebody's monograph where they had actually reviewed the source and there was some kind of analysis on it. Um, or I would find like the 1943 edition, but I was looking for 1939. So I might not have found the exact one that I was looking for, but I could find something that had evolved from that. And so, and when you read doctrine regularly and you see what happens from one year to the next, well, from one publication to the next, then you kind of get a feel for, well, what changed between this one and what they're talking about in the book uh, with regard to the previous edition. So what was, what was something that was most surprising about digging through archive material? What did you find that really inspired you to keep digging more? <laughs> the, uh, I think there's so many things. With, um, with the doctrine, I, I really like that it, um, Army doctrine tends to be relatively consistent, like the way that it's written. So it's 
kind of easy for, I found it kind of easy to go through, but I like to see how, um, you know, I might read modern doctrine and then when I'm reading the older stuff from like the 1930s and 1940s, I'll see, um, you know, oh, this is, you know, we do something like this now, but it's, you know, we've changed it because of these, these reasons, obvious reasons, you know, like technology or um, the environments that we're operating in and things like that. So those kinds of changes I find really interesting, especially when, um, I like it when it's obvious, but sometimes you have to really do like some analysis to figure out, well, why did we change it? But, um, but sometimes there's things that are almost exactly the same. And I think that that's really interesting. So we have a ton of, there's CGSE, the Masters in Military Arts and Sciences students, and we've got, we've got a whole group of, of new Samsters that are toiling over at Army University right now. And they're also in our listening audience. What recommendations would you have for those researchers as they're looking into obsolete and archived doctrine for their research and to also gain context for case studies? Um, I would say uh, definitely, definitely. Like when I first got to Le Fort Leavenworth, the, uh, the library was closed but that the librarians were still operating. And so I was able to email them and they were able to still find books for me and other resource material and get that to me. Um, but they have a, a tremendous amount of knowledge and access to things where um, if you tell them what you're trying to find, they can help you find everything that's available that's related to it, which kind of makes it a little easy. But um, I would also say that, uh, you know, don't forget, sites like um the what is it the the DTIC site where the um <clears throat> where all the monographs are published and things like that because sometimes you might not realize that uh there are other resources out there but if you check what somebody else has researched and you look at what their re reference list was like their bibliography then sometimes you find things that you didn't even know existed uh that was how I found one book on um on the Tennessee maneuvers, there's only one book that exists that I that I could find, and that the library at Fort Leavenworth was able to get a copy of it. That's awesome. It's we are super lucky here at Leavenworth to have the Combined Arms Research Library. But what we'll also do Absolutely. for our audiences is to make sure that we share the links for those as well, so that way folks who are in the outstations or who are doing distance learning and doing distance research have a chance to be able to use those resources as well. And our librarians are super amazing. Um, what about somebody who wants to do something much the same way that you do as far as sharing information and sharing research on social media? Any guidance or ideas for them? Um, I, think, I think that the social media uh, sharing things like this, like the history on social media is a great way to get it out to a, a much broader audience. Um, <clears throat> one of my, one of my favorite compliments is when people tell me that they don't normally like history, but they have started to learn things because of the way that I present it. And so, um, you know, there's a, and then there are other people where they don't care for my threads because they're not, um, you know, they're not straight history. You know, I, I kind of, sometimes I, I add in the humor and the jokes and I add the gifts because I want people to enjoy. I want to entertain, not just teach. And so it's, um, that's my style. And I'm not, 
at least not at the moment, I'm not a proper historian. And so I can do whatever I want. And if they don't like it, they can go and read another historian's um, thread. But uh, I feel like if you're going to do it, just keep in mind that um, don't sit down and try to do it in Twitter. <laughs> I write all of my threads in Word docs. I I, I give them a title, I map them out, I check the, the character count for each one. Um, I make notes for which GIFs I wanna search for to add to each one. Um, I find all the images uh, and links that I'm gonna add in advance because it, even with everything gathered and with the whole thread written, it's still going to take me at least an hour to post because it, it's you know copy paste, add the picture or find the GIF um, and then I will, you can only post up to 25 at a time so uh, before you can add more. And so then I, I get the 25 ready, but then I've got to proofread them just to make sure that they haven't forgotten or missed anything because it is on, a, I mean, mine's on an official account. So I want to make sure that I'm not posting something that I would not want them to, to post. And, um, you know, so it takes at least an hour to do even a short thread on average. So I would say make sure that you prep that all in advance. But um, but remember that it's okay to it's okay to make it fun, you know. It's okay to tell a story, to focus on the things that you find interesting. It's okay to work in jokes and humor. So, what is next for the work of Mother of Tanks and the Building an American Army? I know that we're starting to wrap up the branch-specific threads, but everybody's kind of looking forward to some of the hints you've dropped for the future. Well, with um. One second. With uh, with this series, I've got I think about a week left for the branch threads. I'm going to close them out. Um, we did lose a couple of weeks with the um, Allies Refuge and uh, and the content that was focused on that. But um, after the after I close out the branch threads, I'm going to do a couple of threads on doctrine, uh, the changes to the doctrine, and then. Um, a couple of weeks of threads on um, just the maneuvers themselves because I, I do need some time to talk about those and we're kind of at the end of the year. Uh, I would like the, um, because a lot of this focus was the 1941 maneuvers, but I also want to focus on, um, make sure that I talk Pearl Harbor because it happens, the 7th happens to fall on a Tuesday and my threads are on Tuesday and Saturday. Um, and this will be the 80th anniversary. So 80th anniversary of the maneuvers, 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, and then the 80th anniversary of our official entry into World War II. And so I want to make sure that I cover all of those. And um, so this series will close out on the 11th of December. But I've been researching for a series for next year. Um, and that one, now that I'm, my current job, I'm working as a, with the, with the Air Force in Germany. And so I, um, I want to kind of try to bring them into the next series and see if I can get the same kind of engagement with the army engagement. So I'm working on getting that kind of access right now. Um, I'm also working on uh, a possible um, Battle of the Bulge series for the 80th anniversary um, that I'd like to make kind of big, but it would be a limited series because just December and January. Um, and then on top of that, and my regular job, I'm prepping to uh, a research proposal so I can apply for my doctorate. Oh, that's wonderful. And for those of us who eagerly await all of the, the future threads and the future posts, we're 
we're all looking forward to it. And thank you for also getting us back into joint considerations as well. Best of luck with the Air Force. Thank you. The, uh, I know that I can at least get, I can also work into the next series um, because I am in Europe. I'm trying to focus on the European theater um, and, you know, 1941, 1942. So we're still kind of in that 80 year mark, but uh, not just the Air Force, but I'm also trying to bring in um, some of our NATO friends too. That'll be awesome. Well, so we'll see how big this can get. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for your time today and uh, for getting a chance to actually speak with me. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy this. I am a huge fan of your podcast and your, and your Doctrine Threads. I love your Doctrine Threads. Well, thank you so much. We'd also like to thank our listeners for joining us today. If you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get new episodes of Breaking Doctrine automatically. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at U.S. Army Doctrine to get updates to our new podcast episodes, new content coming out of the Combined Arms Center. And also, you can follow Sasha Maggio and the Mother of Tanks on Twitter as well to catch her weekly posts. Be sure to check out her web repository, www.motheroftanks.com, to catch up on all her previous threads for building an American Army. And her posts are also simultweeted by the U.S. Army Combined Arms Center at USA CAC. Finally, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the United States Army, U.S. Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Nikki Dean, and this has been Breaking Doctrine.